Uh, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Happy September, everybody. Happy Labor Day weekend. Hi. Well, you too, Jesus. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. What am I saying? What's going on with me? <laughs> we, uh, um, I, love, I love kind of this time right now. I, don't get me wrong. I love summer. I love sitting out, which I didn't do a whole lot of, of that this year, but I love sitting out, hanging out. Um, I, I, I want to beat up my pool. I have a swimming pool in my house, okay? And I'm not that to say to brag to you because if you want it, you can have it. It's just awful. I hate it. It's always not working, and I just, if it were a person, I would lay hands on it and pray for it. You know what I mean? It's, but September kind of just kind of marks the, the changing of colors. The, the, the leaves are going to be changing. Before you know it, the snow will be flying, guys. And we'll be here in the snow until April. And uh, everyone will just have to be happy about it. So it'll be good. Um, so today I'm starting a message series called Act Upon. For the next five weeks, we're going to take a pause for uh, the power team or power force, whatever we're calling them, the power force. Uh, they're going to be with us and uh, doing feats of strength, doing an outreach, those kinds of things. And, and next week, you guys are all going to get a piece of paper with five slots in there, five slots of five names that you can pray for for one full week so you can bring those people to church. Okay? Um, but but I, I'm... I'm uh, I've been th so we're starting this new series called Act Upon. And each week we're going to focus on one specific thing um, on that. We're going to talk about acting upon reading your Bible. I'm going, to introduce, I'm going to reintroduce to you an idea called turn the page. Okay? It's where we read a, a, a page of the Bible, date it at the top. If anything significant happens on that date, an anniversary, a birthday, um, uh, uh, something of memory or whatever the case is, you just write it at the top and at the end of the year, It'd be really cool to have those things as a momentum to give to your children. And so we're just going to create legacy. Okay, does that make sense? It's going to create legacy with that. So we're going to reintroduce to you, turn the page. So each, each week's going to be a little bit different, but the overall kind of umbrella of what I want to talk to you about is what I'm going to talk to you about today, which is acting upon what does it mean to shine your light before men? So that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. We're going to unfold this. We're going to unpack this today. So let's read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? I can be honest with you. I've never tasted salt that's lost its taste. Have you guys? I, I haven't, but obviously it, it can, because if salt loses its taste, it can't be restored back to its original context, right, of what it was mostly and mainly used for. Keep it, keep it going here. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, a, set, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And I've been dwelling on this verse now for a while. I've been kind of just 
sitting here going, what does it mean to not just let my light shine? I understand that. But what does it mean that to have other people see my good works so that they may glorify the Father in heaven? Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. And this verse may seem contradictory to what the Lord says about doing things in secret. So we're going to kind of just bring a contradiction here in the word of God. It actually complements each other here in just a moment. But it may seem contradictory of what the Lord says in these two separate occasions when he's talking about this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 through 4 says this. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Don't those two ideas seem contradictory to one another? Don't, who's with me? Who, who, who sees those two things and goes, okay, so is it let your, let your good works shine before all men so that they may see what you do, so they may glorify heaven? Or is it, come on, God, help me out with this, Jesus. Is it do things in secret and whatever's done in secret, the father will reward you? Which one is it, God? Make up your mind. And this is where I've been kind of camping literally for the last three months. I've been kind of just walking through this and, 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 and trying to understand this. And I feel like God has just, just dropped this revelation in my heart about what this is. And so what do we do? Is it keep it in secret or is it make it public? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yes to both things. I used to have a friend that anything he did, he would always tell me about it. Like anything he did for Jesus, he would say, hey, I did this for Jesus yesterday. and I, I did this for Jesus yesterday and, or today or I did this and so on and so forth. He was so excited. I think it's because his excitement level because he was just brand new saved and all these kinds of things. And he was going out. Like he had zero fear. He would walk up to anybody, tell them about Jesus. He would, he would go and he would help out people. He would find ways to make these happen. And he would always come and tell me what he did. But after a while, I, I, I thought to myself, well, is this really the right thing to do? You know, is, is he supposed to be telling me everything that he's doing for the Lord? Right? Was he doing it because he wanted notoriety? Was he telling me because he wanted to gain position in my life? Because people like to do that. People will like to tell you all the good things they do so they can have some kind of position in your life to influence you. Was he telling me because he really was genuinely happy that God was using him? And these are the things I think that these two verses are coming together in meaning. They literally don't contradict each other. They actually complement one another. I believe that every believer is called to three areas of ministry. Every single one of you who calls yourself a believer this morning, you're called to these three areas of ministry. You guys ready? Children? No, I'm just fine. <laughs> Nursery? No. <laughs> I believe that every believer is called to these three areas of ministry. Number one, ministry to the Lord. Your number one ministry should be ministry unto the Lord. Everything must flow from this. The life you live must come from the abundance, the overflow of your ministry unto the Lord. Now, I haven't told you guys this yet, but I've been pursuing my ordination uh, credentials through the Assemblies of God for the last few years. And uh, I had an interview last week. 
um, with the with the cup with my presbyter and some of these things, some of these higher officials up, the, the uppity ups. Okay, that's what I like to call them. And I'm sitting there in the interview, and and my wife and I, they're asking questions like, uh, uh, um, so so what's your take on ministry or. Or, or how do you find the strength to do ministry or things like that? They're asking us the questions. And we just kept saying, well, we actually do ministry from the abundance of our ministry to the Lord. What, oh, there we go. Well, okay, hold on. So, um, no, but really, really, really. Uh, um, you know, burnout and things like that. You know, you just can't keep doing all the things. I said, no, no, really. We really do minister from the overflow of our relationship with Jesus. And they had this, like, and, and maybe they were just asking questions because that's what they're trained to do. But it almost seemed like it had bewildered them that we were actually saying that because maybe they've had answers before where they, we get, oh, brother, we just, you know, we, we learn our 16 fundamentals and we do this and we do that, which is nothing wrong against that, right? But I want to let you know that if we're not ministering to the Lord first, we've missed everything. We've missed it all. Why are we even alive? So we can go and do a good work? No. We're alive so we can minister to the Lord. Does he need it? No. He's not some God up there, some egotistical God saying, you better minister to me. No. It comes from our passion. It comes from our love. It drives us. He, our relationship with Jesus, drives us to do the other things. But if we allow ourselves those other needs and those other things to drive us, we're eventually going to burn out in our walk with God. Your number two ministry that you're called to is our love for the people of God. Yes, I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the organization, not the building, but the people. <laughs> ministry to the Lord, number one. You guys got this? Number two, ministry in your love to people. Every single believer in here this morning is called to each other. To minister to one another, which is why we said this year we're going to focus on groups. It's just a platform. It's just a just an avenue for you to practice this. Okay, but Pastor, I don't know enough. Well, you know, join the club, sister. I'm not as smart as I want to be. I'm getting there, maybe I don't know. But man, I tell you what. When I'm ministering to the Lord first, out of the abundance of my heart, the overflow will be the ministry to the people of God. And your last ministry that every single person is called to is our ministry to the world. And when I say the world, I'm not talking about the big picture, the round circle world. And if you're a flat earther, I'm sorry. Ooh, I feel like I said something there. <laughs> I'm talking about your world, the six feet around you, your contacts, your influence, your sphere, the things that you walk into, your job, the relationships you have. That is your world. And you are called to minister to your world, to your world. Now, in the Christian walk, we can sometimes get this out of priority. We have the tendency of ministering to the world as our most important thing, then the church, and then to God. Our priorities become flipped a lot of the times. 
And rightfully so, because churches always push. We need to win the loss. We need to do this, and we need to do that, and we need to do this. Thank God that our mission here at River of Life Church is to host his presence. Why? Because out of the abundance of that, hopefully, prayerfully, you'll find it in your heart to minister to the world that you live in. Well, I do believe that our ministry to the world is extremely important. The first two priorities must set the platform and the stage for number three to happen. They have to. Look, my eternity, your eternity is wrapped up in the first two. I will forever worship the Lord in heaven. Amen? We're forever, think about that for a minute. We're forever going to worship the Lord in heaven. Isn't that the greatest thing ever? And in heaven, he's not going to go, you better raise your hands, everybody. He's not going to do that, right? It's just going to be, it's going to be just a natural draw out of our hearts, right? We're going to worship God forever. And when I was writing this out, I, I kind of chuckled and laughed a little bit because I was thinking, what kind of joke can I tell? But I'm not going to tell the joke. But you'll hear the joke in what I'm going to say. I will forever be with you in heaven. Okay, maybe you didn't hear the joke in that statement. You and I, guess what, guys? We better learn to love each other now because in heaven, that's all we got. It's going to be us, right? It's going to be us. I'll forever be with you in heaven. But the only thing that I can do in heaven that I can do now is evangelize. That's it. It's my ministry to the world. But understand this. If the first two don't set the foundation for number three, I will eventually be so consumed and get frustrated with everyone else and think I'm the only one who's doing anything. And I'll eventually get burnt out on my ministry to the Lord. Then I'll get burnt out to my ministry to the church. And eventually I'll say, I don't even trust people anymore. They have to remain in order. And what happens a lot of times, and I've seen it so many times, guys. What happens a lot of times with those kinds of believers where they fully focus on the world only. What happens is they become some kind of social justice warrior. They become some person where they only think that if you're not feeding the homeless, if you're not, if you're not going and digging wells, if you're not doing this and you're not doing that and you're not doing this, if you're not providing warmth and clothing, if you're not doing this, then you're not doing God's will. Now hear what I'm saying. Do I think that those things are important? Come on, somebody. We should be doing those things. But if I'm not doing those things, it's not because I don't have a heart for it. It's because I need to minister to my Lord first. Then out of the abundance of that, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You cannot, I cannot judge you and you can't judge me for what our acts are doing. It's extremely important that we learn not to look at each other and go, you should be doing more. Because we're all in different places right now. Do I think those things are important? Absolutely. Do I think we should be doing them? hundred percent we should be doing them. But we have to minister to Jesus first and to our church, to the people of God, then to the world. Because I believe that everything is a heart issue to the Lord. Everything's a heart issue to God. Amen? Everything's a heart issue to God. There's so many scriptures about the heart being the cornerstone of how we live. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I'm, I don't have them on the back screen. You can just write them down. Write down the scripture references if you're taking notes. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart. 
for it is the wellspring of life. Everything, point to yourself right now and go, everything is a heart issue to God. He doesn't look at the outward appearance of, who, of what you're doing and your, your good works. He looks at your heart. He looks at you inside. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Last week, I made a statement on Facebook. I said, preach with a smile. It helps it go down easier. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, you live your life. Out of your heart. You can try to fool your spouse. You can try to fool your coworkers. You can try to fool your children. You could try to fool your cousins, your aunties, your uncles. You could try to fool all those people. But your heart is the thing that God looks at. And you can never fool God. You can never fool him. So when it comes to what you do, it must be connected to the heart. It must be connected to the intentions of your heart. It must be connected to the Father, to his heart. Whether that's in public or whether that's in private. It doesn't matter whether you're showing your good works off so that all men can see that good works and glorify their Father in heaven. Or you feed somebody when no one else knows about it. If it's not done from the heart, then it's done with the wrong intention. If you do something in private and expect God to do something for you, you missed. Your heart's in the wrong intention. There's so many people who believe that. They have a contractual relationship with God. They say things, if, you, if I do this for you, God, then you have to do this for me. Newsflash, everybody. God doesn't have to do one more thing for you because he had did it on the cross for us already. Everything that we have is accomplished on the cross of Jesus Christ. We celebrated it today. We do this in remembrance, at least here once a month. We do it, but we forget so, we forget so easily that everything was purchased and paid for on the cross. If he does not one more thing for me, I know that I have salvation. That's a good word. Sorry, I have to encourage myself sometimes. When you do something in public, do you desire to receive notoriety of some kind? If you do, and you get notoriety for it because that's the heart's intention for you, that's your heart's intention. I'm not talking about if you get it. I'm talking about that's your heart's intention is to receive public praise. Then guess what? That's your reward. That's your reward. And let me tell you, that thing you just did is not a sweet-smelling sacrifice to him. It doesn't smell good to him. He actually rejects your sacrifice when you do it for yourself. However, when we do things with the Father's heart as our intention and as our motive, people will always see Jesus. They'll always see Jesus. 
And our job as believers is to point people to Jesus, always to point people to Jesus, not point to our church, not point to the things that we do here at the church, not point to the things that you do for people, not point to the mission you might be on, not point to all these kinds of things, but it's always to point people to Jesus. And I tell our worship team this all the time. It's important that when we play our instrument, when we sing, whatever the case is, if we're not leading people to Jesus, we missed it. We missed it. If you're wanting people to see how good of a drummer that I am, guess what? That's my reward. I get your public praise. Praise God. But I don't want that. I want people to see Jesus in everything that I do. And everything that I do, from every good work that happens in my life, from when I pull up to the stop sign and there's somebody there asking for money. And I know, I was like, oh, great. i got to give them money again. I don't want to do that again. And then the Lord says, hey, do it this time because I asked you to do it. Aye, aye, captain. Yes and amen. Why? Because success is not measured by what you do. Success is measured by obedience in your heart. It all comes down to our heart. Our lights shine best when it shines on him, when it shines him and not us. Even though that we are the ones acting upon what he's given us, he is lifted and he is glorified. Jesus said, this is so interesting to me. Oh, my gosh, it's so interesting to me. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he turns around and goes, oh, no, wait, you are the light of the world. Isn't that awesome? He says, I'm the light of the world. And then he says, no, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Right? How can that be? How can that be? See, he's the ultimate light. He's the ultimate light. It's kind of like. It's kind of like when the Minnesota Vikings win the Super Bowl this year and, and the lights are just. I love this time of year because we can say whatever we want to say. Right? <laughs> I can dream and hope all I want. But it's, it's <laughs> I got a plaque from my good friend, and he says, optimistic since 1964 or something like that. It's awesome. It's in my office. <laughs> Keeps me humble. And it, it, but it's kind of like if, if a big light, right, Tim? It's kind of like that big light that shines because he's the ultimate light, and it shines on us, and what I am is a mirror, and I reflect his light. So he's saying, look, I'm the light, but you know what? You're the light also. And when you shine from your life because you're in me, because of Christ in me, then you shine out that light. Guess what? People will be drawn to Jesus because of the things you do, because they're going to be seeing my light and not yours. This light can't reflect on me, can't reflect what I do, can't reflect me. But his light will shine from me because of who he is in me. And the Apostle Paul said it so good. You heard me say it. It's not I who lives, but it's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. So 
Should you do things in private? Yeah, you should. Should they only be done in private? No, they shouldn't. But Pastor, I feel weird when I do things and people recognize me. Guess what? They're not recognizing you. They're recognizing Jesus in you. See, that's the idea, guys. A lot of Christians walk around with this false humility. No, 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 I, yeah, I don't need praise. No, no, it's okay. But really on the inside, you're, that's all you want. That's all you desire. Stop that. If you do something good, you do something good. Amen? Know that all the glory is going to him. All of it is. Should you do things in public? Yeah, you should. Should they only be in public? No. They shouldn't. You should do some stuff in private too. Why? Because no matter what, it's public or no matter if it's private, it's all about your heart. It's all about who you're shining. Both works must be a reflection of Jesus Christ, the true light. You can play some music back there. So with that said, I'm proud to say that this church, this church, like the angels just opened up heaven. This church, you, we support your adopt-a-cop police officers every month. We got a new one. I'm, asking, I'm gonna ask him to come and come share what he's doing. His name is Raleigh Wags is his name. Big old, big old dude. We support Teen Challenge every month. Rescuing young ladies and ladies from the addiction of drugs. That's a good thing. And you know what? The public needs to know that. The people out there need to know that this church is a strong supporter of Teen Challenge. Why? Not for our sake. Not for us. So that people will see Jesus in it. This church give school supplies to people in need. That's a huge thing. This church is involved, involved, and also financially supports safe families for children, rescuing orphans in our backyard. And you know what? This community needs to know that. They need to know that. Yeah, we could do things in secret and God will come in and lift. I understand all those things. But man, I want people to see Jesus. Our food pantry feeds upwards to 35 to 40 families a month. I don't know if you knew that or not. Higher than that? Talk to me, Cheryl. 44 families a month. Isn't that amazing? 44 needy families a month are getting fed right out of the hallways of this church. We give our building, you may not know this, but our building is used every stinking week for the homeschool co-op. About 70 kids come here and show up with all their parents, and every room is used, and the outside is used. Why? Why do we do such things? We do those things not so we can gain notoriety. We do those things so people will glorify the Father in heaven. 
We also give our building for school, public schools, for their meetings, especially the 4-H group, if you didn't know that. That's amazing. Little old River of Life Church loves its community. And we go, you know what? We want people to see Jesus because of it. We host many outside groups here at the church. We support multiple ministries, whether domestic or international. We have roughly 20 to 25, I believe it is, missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. We give to the people in need in our community. Just over the last couple months, we've blessed people in our community because of your generous giving. Because of Jesus, we've blessed people in our community. Blessed people that have come here to the church who are in need, desperate need. We say yes and amen. Why? Why do we do that? Because we want people to glorify the Father in heaven. We do this so that we may, so they may see our good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Sometimes those things are in private, sometimes they're in public, but they're always with Jesus at the center. Always with Jesus at the center. So as I close, if people want to judge yet when I say those kinds of things, let them judge. I don't care. And you shouldn't either. If people want to say, oh my gosh, that passion went around parading all the things that we do. That's fine with me. Go ahead and think that way. That's all right. You can do that. It's okay. All right, you have that right. But just know this. It's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. So why not live a resurrected life? Why not live a, le a resurrected church? But if you walk around and you have to say, now I, you know, I don't want to take, I don't want to take recognition for this, but I say this only for Jesus. I want to encourage you to check your heart. Because maybe the things that you're doing for Jesus are done with the wrong intention and motive. I know why we say those things, you know. But if you did something good and you're telling somebody about it, guess what? It's not about you anyway. It's about him. We can glorify the Father in heaven together. Amen. And if you're jealous because someone else is doing something, then start doing something. It's pretty easy. Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So let it be that. If you do something in private and wish that people would notice you, check your heart. You're doing it for yourself and you're not doing it with his heart at the core. If you're doing something hoping to get a return, this is a big one. If you're doing something to hope to get a return, if I do this, man, I know God will bless me. If I do this, I know God will give back to me. If I do this, or I've done all these things and I haven't seen a return yet. <laughs> if you're doing all these things to get a return, check your heart. Because the last time I checked, Jesus gave his only son. He gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have an everlasting life. Amen? He gave his only son. Not hoping that something else would happen or there would be a return. No. He unconditionally, willingly gave. Let that be the motive of your heart. And if we're truly going to evangelize to this world, we must let our light shine. The light of Jesus in our hearts. 
not the light of our works, but the light of him through our works. People are drawn to, a, who, to who God is. Amen? People are drawn to who God is. They're also drawn to what he can do. Do we believe in miracles or not? Do we think they're a myth? Do we think they're fairy tales? Do we think they're just something cool written in the Bible? No. The same God who's in Acts, the same God who's in Matthew, the same God who's in James, the same God who's in Jude, the same God who's in Revelation, the same God who's in Genesis, the same God who was in Isaiah, the same God. And all those books, the 66 books in that Bible is the same God of 2023, September 3rd right now. He's the same God. He does not change. He does not waver, right? He does not go anywhere. He is faithful. And that's why we sung God's faithfulness today. Because he is faithful to you as his children. And he will never, ever, ever give you something that you're asking for. He will never give you a stone if you're asking for bread. He won't do it. That's not who he is. That's not who he is. It's not his nature. We have to truly, genuinely believe in our heart. The cornerstone of our theology and our faith must be that God is good.